This episode is brought to you in part by Litvin School of Mission, Ministry, and Leadership at Wheaton College. Our graduate programs in evangelism, ministry, and leadership enrich your mind, spirit, vocation, and character to refine what's already within you. Learn more at wheaton.edu. Welcome to the Craft and Character Podcast. Steve Carter here, and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today, the Ascent Leader and Food for the Hungry, I bring you a conversation with Soul City co-lead pastor, Jeannie Stevens. She's a fantastic leader, one of the best I've ever been around. She's an incredible preacher, and we get to talk a about her brand new book that is just absolutely fantastic. But before we dive in, you know that this podcast is all about helping you get better at the craft of communication, but always ensuring that your character is leading the way. We love to listen, to get a sense of the sound of the teacher. And so listen to Jeannie Stevens as she teaches on the content of her book from her home church, Soul City Church in Chicago, Illinois. And the truth is, I didn't think I was lying to myself or anyone else. I just didn't want to face what I had been pushing down. In short, I ignored all the evidence that I was far from fine. I silenced my intuition. I swallowed my emotions and I described my symptoms as it's just a busy season. And the truth is that my performance was Oscar worthy. But I knew, I knew I was anything from fine. And the reason I wasn't fine was because I was not fully here. You know, like when you go to the mall or to the airport and you're trying to figure out where you need to go and, and, and you need to get to the nearest Auntie Anne's, right? Because like, you always want a hot, salty pretzel, right? And you're in, come on, you all have been Auntie Anne's and they're in every mall and airport, right? And you go to the directory, right? And you look on that big map and what do you look for? You look for the big pin that says, you are here, right? And what I realized was I was not living here. I was not living in the here and the now and on the doorsteps of burnout and wanting to avoid a full-blown breakdown. I reached out to a spiritual mentor that, that helped me grapple with everything that was swirling in my life. And he helped me realize I would never know how to get to where I wanted to be if I didn't figure out where I was. Well, Jeannie Stevens, thank you so much for joining us on the Crafting Character Podcast. We just heard a clip from week one of the series that you did. Uh, you're the lead pastor, you and your husband at Soul City Church in Chicago. And it's an amazing church. I've been there multiple times. Uh, but this, this series, three weeks, all based on your book, What's Here Now? And I, I thought maybe you could just give us a little background on what week one was all about. Yeah, thanks. It's so good to be here. And uh, it's so fun because I'm a regular listener. So it's really fun to be on. Um, but I love what you are doing with this podcast of, of bringing both the, the character of a person and the craft of, of preaching together. So it's such a joy to be here. But yeah, this series, uh, as you mentioned, was based on the book, What's Here Now? And I really wanted to unpack the tension behind rehashing the past, rehearsing the future, and how to receive the present. And, you know, it's a, it's a quick, like, roll off the tongue, uh, much easier said than done, because I think so many of us struggle with our minds not really being in this present location. Like, we're here, our body is here, but we can be a million other places, and I started realizing this tension in my own life. And I'm like, okay, if this is my normal, if this is how I'm walking through my day in and day out, this has to be the tension that others are facing. And so, yeah, I, I really wanted to unpack 
the tension. And I, I posed it in a question, uh, mostly just because Jesus asked more questions than he gave answers. And so I was like, I, I'm going to follow the best preacher I know, um, who most of his conversations were posed in the form of a question. So, yeah, so that's where it came from. It's, it's amazing. And I want to come back there because you said the best preacher I know uh, in a second, because you've actually had this, this pretty incredible pedigree of communicators that you have served with, that you have preached uh, in some amazing spaces around the country, um, you know, from Willow to North Point, obviously at Soul City and, and, and beyond at different conferences. Um, I want to come back because you, you were one of the, the first like female communicators that I was listening to on the regular, um, just kind of from like our generation that I knew of. And I, I'm curious at, you know, we're, we're going to hit this in a second, but I, I really want to know, like, there's a book by David Gergen and he wrote Eyewitness to Power. And he, he talked about how he worked for four different presidents and just, and he talks about the strengths that he learned um, from each of these presidents, you know, uh, you know, uh, Gerald Ford's integrity or Bill Clinton's just recall. But I just, I'm, I, there's, that's always been a question. So I just, I'm just placing that in your brain. At some point, I want to come back to that because you just, you, you just teased that for me of like your, mo- your favorite <laughs> communicator. And I was like, you've been around amazing ones, even your husband as well. But um, what I love about this book and I think this book, there, there are some books that you read and you were so kind to, to, to send it to me early and I got to read it and I couldn't put it down. Like I, I, it, was, it was so, so good. There are books that you read and you think, gosh, those are some really good ideas. And then there's books that you read that you're like, oh, this is like reading my mail. And then there's books that you read that, are great ideas that read your mail, but then also give you helpful ways to move forward. And I feel like this whole book, and you do this in the whole teaching series, but even when you think about rehashing the past, you have these five chapters, the the words like blame or shame, grief, um, bitterness, uh, guilt. Like you, you think about the how often in our bodies we carry those five. Which one of those five for you is, was like the hardest to write because it was so personal. And then which one of those, like as a preacher communicator, because sometimes you can like, you know it, but it's like, I know this this one's hardest for me to even communicate to my congregation. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it was such a daunting experience to first write a book that has 15 chapters in it. So I was like, wow, I, sh- I, sh- I should have said more like eight. Um, this is what I got into. It, I was like, 15 is a lot. Uh, so to, to tease out 15 deep concepts of rehashing the past, rehearsing the future, and then receiving the present, and then to edit those into a three-week series as a communicator. And I'm sure you've experienced this as well. Writing in a book is very different than communicating to a room full of people. And more of my craft over the years has been to a room full of people. That was my first uh, medium of how I communicated with people. But inside, I always felt like and, and you mentioned Jarrett, my husband. It's so funny to have two communicators in one house, right? Uh, and I remember when I was first learning how to communicate uh, very, you know, early, early on, I remember wanting to like do what he did. And I'll never forget at uh, a message that I gave, he like told this joke once about Keanu Reeves. And I was like, oh, that's really funny. And I tried to like make it work for me. And it it just fell flat, flat. Like no one is laughing in the room. And I'm like, okay, you need to find your own voice. And and this was early on in my twenties. And so for me, it's been a journey of finding my own voice and then learning how to put that voice into written form, not just into preaching form. And so writing the book 
then editing it into a three-part sermon series and taking concepts like you just mentioned, blame, shame, grief, bitterness, guilt, and try to put that into a 30-minute teach. You know, I mean, every one of them could be their own series, if you will. And so to answer your question, you know, in that section of the book and and in that week of the teach, I knew, um, for me, the hardest chapter to write was grief. And I, and really what I talk about it is, is unprocessed grief. And I, I chose to tell the full story of the loss of my brother and he's my younger brother. And it was just a horrific day of, uh, shock and chaos. And, um, my brother very unexpectedly died in his sleep. And I was my sister-in-law's first phone call. And when I sat down, and this was about uh, three years ago now, when I sat down to write this chapter, I knew I just felt this prompt from God to tell the full vulnerable story of when grief shows up on your doorstep and it's so unexpected, it's so painful, it's so overwhelming that you don't know what to do with it. And I remember that prompt from God, Steve, and just being like, Lord, I, that, that feels so raw. That, that feels so um, intense to tell that whole story. And yet it's the chapter that most people reach out to me about. Yeah. Well, and, when, I, and when I, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I remember it was Mother's Day and you were in Arizona mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. speaking. And it was the first time I had heard that story. I, I had seen the, the yeah. an Instagram post, but I hadn't heard yeah. the story. And then, and I remember when I heard it, uh, this would have been 2021. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I almost missed my flight because I was watching it from the airport and I was so captivated. But then to watch even how, how even farther you took it in this mm-hmm. last teach yeah. at Soul City, like with your people, you know, yeah. I was yeah. just so just like, oh, like just the, yeah. the feel of it, the weight mm-hmm. of it. And, and in a room where just coming out of, you know, these last few years yep. where there, you know, cultural unrest, global pandemic. Mm-hmm politics, finances, all, all the, yep. the, I love how you said the unprocessed grief, Yeah, you know, and gosh, like just this, the subtitle alone of this book is, is masterful. I mean, mm-hmm. just, just masterful rehashing the past, rehearsing the future, receiving the present. I mean, the, how many of our people who are just listening um, week in and week out. And I, I find that myself wondering, like, what story are they t- telling? Yeah. If they are just yeah. rehashing the past, just what story yep. are they going to tell? And what decision are they going to make? And I just yeah. feel like you address this so well in your book. Like, mm-hmm. I, I actually, um, I, I think this is, this is a book that was like made to be a, not just a sermon series and not just a book, but something that has to be processed around tables mm-hmm. or living rooms mm-hmm. and homes um, for small yeah. groups. But I just think it's so easy and tangible. For you, when you think about the rehearsing the future, um, mm-hmm. you, you've got wor- words like worry, um, denial, um, I forget, what was it? Obligation, mm-hmm. uh, pretending, and what was it? Waiting? Was that the last uh, one? Control. Yep. Control, control and control, waiting. Control, um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and for, for you, like when you, when you did the second teach at Soul City and you were focused on that and you've had, and, and here's, here's kind of like the, 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 the question is you have a moment where you unearth this tension and I want us to spend yeah. a few moments talking about this mm-hmm. in, in a moment, but then you, then you have to switch it to unearth the tension to then go, okay, but some of you are living out here. Yes. Talk about that because that, that as someone who loves to study communication, your ability to like have this vulnerable weighty moment, Mm. this tension that you were like, like nobody was moving. I think, I think, you know, (laughs) you didn't see people getting up from their seats. They were just Mm. leaning in, but then to like have to turn it to actually see the future and how often man, they are just rehearsing it, rehearsing it, rehearsing yeah. it. Talk about that from a teacher standpoint. 
Yeah. You know, I, I am such a big proponent in finding the tension that people are feeling and then speaking to it. You know, you do this and the thing beneath the thing, right? It's like, there's always something deeper going on. And so if you can speak to the thing that is deeper, then essentially you're, you're inviting people to pay attention to what's going on in their soul level. And obviously I'm, I I care a lot about the word soul. We started a church called Soul City Church. But to me, I feel as though if you can speak to the soul of a person and allow Holy Spirit to do what Holy Spirit's going to do, right? I mean, I can't change the soul of a person. You can't change the soul of a person. But if I can talk to the soul, if I can speak to the soul, if I can engage somebody's argument that they've had with a loved one, if I can engage the pain that they've been carrying from something that happened in their life, or if I can, you know, kind of poke at that worry that they've been holding around and, and open it up in a loving way, not in an, uh, you know, like just ridiculously destructive way. Like I'm going to just rip this wound open in your life, but in a loving, thoughtful I really care about what's happening in your soul way, then it's open for Holy Spirit to do what Holy Spirit's going to do. And so I knew that I wanted to, to poke that tension that so many of us are actually thinking about tomorrow in our lives, really. We're not here. Uh, and so things like worry, right? Worry is really just living in a not yet that's worse than you're now. And so I tried to find some common ways that everybody's like, oh yeah, I do that. So for example, I told the story of how um, the, the term FOMO came to be. I like went back and like studied where did this term FOMO come from? And, and, and we all know that FOMO is the fear of missing out, but I, I like brought forth the study around where did this come from, that there is a there that's better than you're here. And it, it kind of started to like spark inside of people like, oh yeah, I do do that. I, I do think about someplace else that I would rather be than the here and the now. Uh, I, I tell stories uh, around like how somebody would be experiencing worry in their life or, or denial, right? Denial is just this defense mechanism that wants to delay pain or transformation. Pretending is, is just kind of camouflaging your life and putting, you know, your best foot forward always because you're seeking approval, control, or security. Obligation is living under should, right? It's saying yes when yes is not best. And so trying to get these like inner tensions forward, I try to do that in the first five to seven minutes of a sermon. Because I know that if I can lovingly poke into the tension that somebody is experiencing in their heart, their mind, their body, or their soul, then it's, it's open space for Holy Spirit to go, I want to talk to you right now. Mm. I want to I minister to you right now. I want to I walk with you through something right now. And, you know, my words can go wherever my words are going to go, but my hope and my prayer is that as a communicator, I partner with God in those first five to seven minutes of a message that the tension is pulled open enough that Holy Spirit can just do what Holy Spirit's going to do in a person's mind and heart. Because, I mean, Steve, we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts in a day. Yep. You know, our minds are everywhere, but here sometimes. And so I know that at any given moment, you know, when I'm talking, when you're talking, somebody could be thinking, oh, no, it's right. So how can I partner with God to zero in, in that moment of tension so that somebody goes, you see me. Yeah. I'm you curious, see me. I'm curious with, with how you do that from your prep, because you, you do this very naturally and, you know, uh, I was first introduced and heard about you as a leader who could preach. 
um, that like just an extraordinary leader, um, builder, cast a vision, but could preach. And, and, you know, I just was always like just taken by listening, but, but you do this on the regular where you do unearth that tension. And I'm curious, like what that looks like for you in your kind of prep time. Like, do you have like, okay, I know I want to hit worry. So you have like this word <laughs> worry. And then you're like, okay, I want to try and get underneath. What's that? What's that real to speak to the soul? And are, mm-hmm. is it, you know, I've heard Henry Cloud writes his books with um, sticky notes. Like he just writes mm-hmm. down things on sticky notes and then puts them all together. Like what's the genie Stevens to get <laughs> down to that unearthing the soul? Is it long walks? Is it you in front of your computer? But help us because- what I always want to try and do in this podcast is uh, help people go, how could I apply that mm-hmm. next time I'm prepping for a teach to really unearth and, and let the Holy Spirit speak to the soul? How do you do yeah. that? Yeah, I, it's one of the reasons that I love this podcast so much because it, it speaks to both the, the soul of a communicator and the actual like framework, right? Like how do we build these 20 to 30 minute moments that we hope and pray that God does something miraculous with them. Right. And, and so for me, I, I, I have been teaching for a number of years now and I've, I've learned how to, um, you know, create different methods of, of how I pull it all together. Um, and some of it has been through the growth of my character, to be honest, I am an eight on the Enneagram, and I have learned that both eights have uh, a virtue and a vice, and um, every, every number does, right? A virtue and a vice, but my, my virtue is innocence, which when I first read that, I thought, that is so strange. How are eights innocent? And it's when they can return to a childlike vulnerability. Wow. And so our, our real virtue is vulnerability and our vice is power and control. And, and so I, I know for me that I want people to see the virtue of me. I I know that I can bring forth, um, powerful thoughts or vision or, you know, work on my cadence on something that I really want to stress in a sermon. But what's more important to me is that that vice never gets so large and so big in a sermon that the virtue of vulnerability is lost. And so one of the first things that I write at the top of my page when I open up a document in in Google Docs is what part of me do I want people to see? Ooh, ooh. What part of me do I want people to see? Oh, I like that. I like that. Keep going. Yeah. And uh, no, because I know that the the vice of me can, can control all of this and can, you know, just power through something. It really has become a discipline to say, where am I going to allow my vulnerable self to be seen? What thing happened with my kids this last week that... I don't want people to know. That's the story I should tell. What argument did I get into with Jarrett this last week that I would want to spruce up and make look pretty? I need to tell the raw, honest version of that story because it's so critical to me. Um, and I, I think some of this, Steve, is um, through watching so many Leaders over the last few years um, only let us see certain parts of their stories. And then there's backstories that are so destructive that um, end up causing so much pain that my own personal work has just been, I don't want to have all these hidden spaces and places in my life that I wouldn't be willing to allow people to see. Now, does all of that need to be aired in a Sunday sermon? Of course not. I do lots of that in in therapy and group work and and with my closest of friends. But it's so critical to me that I don't just reveal highlight reels in my sermons. I want the vulnerable 
part of me to be seen and known. So going back to that story on grief, um, in the sermon, I, I told a really raw story. I didn't, I've, I've told the story of my brother many times before, but I told a very raw story of walking with a friend of mine and being with her the moment that her husband took her last, his last breath. And it was excruciating. It was an excruciating experience to live, let alone then tell in a sermon. But I know that people in the room have walked through things like that. And there's a level of trust that goes up with who's ever giving the sermon. If you tell a story like that and it's not all pretty and with a bow and, you know, masterfully put together with alliteration and sticky words that all go, but it's, it's just the raw humanity of life unfolding I feel like in those moments of my sermons, that's when people most connect to me and to God. And so the question, what part of me do I want people to see is one of the first things that I spend time on in a sermon. Then from there, I usually uh, pay attention to the tension. Like if I'm preaching on worry, what is the tension that people are experiencing with worry and that's a pretty meta, large like thing. So I'll try to drill down, um, especially if I have a, a passage that's already been given to me, like this is the passage we want you to um, teach on. And, and I'm surrounded by um, some great communicators at Soul City, but two in particular, John Jorgensen and Jarrett Stevens. Um, and, and one of them I live with. So <laughs> I'm surrounded by them. And um, sometimes they're, they're maddening to me how quick they can like figure out where this thing needs to go. I struggle through my sermons. I like, I really wrestle with them. I, I'm sometimes in awe at how quickly they can like, you know, just craft it all together. And I'm like, what, did you do that in your sleep? I mean, for me, it is like a wrestling match with God to, to work through what it is that I am to say. And then it's a lot of editing because I'll usually show up with a good 10 pages and then it's the whittling down, right? Of just because it's true doesn't mean you need to say it, which is something that Andy Stanley taught me. Uh, I got to sit under his teaching for four years in person. And now I sit under it every week, you know, and listening to his podcast and he's just masterful at, his communication. And I think what's so masterful about it is his edits that nobody sees yeah. Yeah. because he's willing to cut, he's willing to take out. And that is, that's some of my harder work, right? Is showing up with all the pages and then going, yeah, this is a, this is a great truth. Or this is a really fascinating thing that you researched, but it doesn't matter. You, you need to cut it from the sermon. Um, and then to trust that maybe that content was for something else, yep. you know, maybe it was for me, maybe it's for something else I'm supposed to do with it. But then the art of editing and, and taking things out, I think is a really important and often overlooked step in communication. Yeah. It's really, really critical. It's amazing. Cause I'll sit and listen to, you know, a plethora of talks per week. And there are times where I'll be listening and I'm like, and I, and I feel it sometimes with books where you're like, oh, this book was 20 pages too long or mm-hmm. this, this teach, that story, mm-hmm. that person mm-hmm. told a seven minute story, but the payoff mm-hmm. wasn't worth seven minutes of yep. time. You know what totally. I mean? Totally. But, just, but it's hard work. That art of elimination is, man, it is a, it's hard because it all feels so personal. Like this is an yeah. important part. This is, I want them to, I want them to, yeah. I want them to know this word. I want them to know this, da, da, da. but yeah. just doing that. I, I love, and you have a very a precision about how you mm-hmm. keep just bringing it down to like, here's that point. Even when you were like yeah. breaking down uh, worry, you know, mm-hmm. and just that you're phrased for that. It's just like, oh, it's so good. Um, yeah. you, you, you brought up Andy. Okay, so maybe maybe let's let's play this out because I think this, I, I meet very few people who have the pedigree that you have. 
in the sense <laughs> of being around an orbit of such great yeah. communicators. And I, I, you know, and I'll just throw out a name, you know, uh, like a John Orberg, a Nancy Beach, Andy Stanley, a Jared Stevens, a Louis Giglio, like, you know, just throw out some of these names. And if I forgot one, you could throw out one, but just like, what's like a, uh, one thing that you're like, that shaped me as a communicator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh man. Oh, I, I loved your earlier question about what, what we learned from different presidents. And I, man, I have learned so much about communication. I've learned so much about leadership too, from all those people oh, yeah. that you yeah. just mentioned. Um, and leaders communicate, right? They, they have to communicate. They have to communicate vision and where we're going. And so I've learned both, the art of communicating in a teach as well as communicating as a teacher. And, you know, it's so funny because when I first started communicating many, many years ago at Willow, I used to have to record it into a tape recorder, send that tape recorder to the senior pastor. He would review it and then send me back notes on what I should change. And then after I gave the talk, he would send me thoughts on like what worked and what didn't work. And I mean, I used to think as, you know, a 24, 25 year old communicator, like this is a total waste of time. Why am I doing this? Why is he making me do this? What he was making me do was he was making me learn how to tell my stories because I used to put in my notes, tell story about X and Anytime I would send in those notes, he would send me something back saying, you need to know where the punchline goes. You need to know where you want to land this story. You need to know what you need to cut out. And so, I mean, early on, I had to develop this craft. Then um, John Orberg, uh, he just had a powerful gift of alliteration and memorable stories. Um, I mean, like I can still come, I I, like still will think about this sermon that he gave on. It all goes back in the box. Yep. Yep. And I maybe heard that sermon 20 years ago now, and I still remember him teaching on it. And I still remember how his language flowed, his cadence, his movement, um, on the stage. Right. And, 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 And I don't remember even the passage, but I remember the concept that one day it's all going back into a box. And so what's going to go in that box? And I just, I still remember that teach. So I think John's cadence sticks with me, his unbelievable storytelling, his dry humor. Yes. Um, yes. His dry humor is unbelievable to me, uh, how he would say something. And, and I mean, I was just like, you really did mean that. For humor, but the whole room is like, should I laugh? Should I not laugh? Because that was hilarious. Um, so, and and he knew how to put humor at just the right moment too, yes. which I also think is a craft. Um, it it releases um, uncomfortability in people. That's what humor does. Is is they they kind of relax into the moment. Nancy Beach is just masterful at storytelling. She gave a sermon at Soul City um, a number of years ago now, and she talked about one of her friends that was the Martha Stewart in her life. And my daughter was probably seven at the time when she heard that. And she still comes back and refers to some of her girlfriends like, yeah, she's kind of like that story Nancy Beach told about the Martha Stewart. (laughs) I'm like, how any (laughs) of It's just Nancy? Okay, got okay. it. <laughs> but she is great. She is masterful at storytelling. Um, she's also masterful at letting people see her. Um, she just beautifully brings uh, vulnerability. Andy brought a sense of, I have, I have never thought about that before. And how did you just make that so simple? So simple, yes. His simplicity but it's it's brilliant simplicity um, because he he brings something to the surface that I think 
I don't know if I've ever had that thought before. And you so simply presented it to me that I don't think I'm ever going to look at that the same way again. And I I mentioned earlier, his edits, um, the things that people don't see, he works tirelessly to trim, to trim, to trim, to trim. He just keeps shaving, 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 shaving that thing down so that there is, there's only me. Yeah. There's only me. And, um, you know, talk about eat the meat, throw away the bones. Right. I mean, he, he serves up unbelievable content every single time I hear him preach. Um, and so he, he's always of all those communicators, he's probably the one that lives in my mind the most as I'm writing. And I, I find myself saying, how could I say this simpler? Like, how could I say this in a way that connects? How can I say this so that it's sticky so people remember it? Um, how, do I, how do I take this story that's causing me almost five to six minutes of content right now, and how can I tell it in three minutes? Like, how can I get this time back? So he's probably the communicator that, you know, lives up here in my brain the most. And I, I find myself going, how would Andy say this differently? Um, but yeah, I, all of them, Nancy Orberg, Jared, yourself. I mean, I, I listen to your sermons and I think, um, gosh, Steve, like he moves through passage with passion and application so quickly, like your, your passion and then your application. I'm like, I don't, I didn't even see the turn and, and it just, it happens. And so, and I, I love that, right. When it's such a, um, beautiful weaving that you don't have to say. And so now here's what I want you to do with this. Right. right? But it just occurs. And so it really does feel like a beautiful piece of art. It feels like a beautiful piece of music. And I feel like teaching should be that way. It, yeah. it, um, it is art. It is, um, beauty. Jesus did it. And, and so if he's going to look and go, I'm going to talk to you about the flowers of the field right now, or the birds of the air, and I'm going to weave this beautiful thing together for you, then we should be so thoughtful enough to do the same. That's so good. That's so good. Well, I, I, I love listening to you teach. I, you know, um, there was a season where I, I would just drive down to Chicago and sit in the back at Soul City and um, and leave leave a little early, come a little late, but I just uh, just was so just graced by just uh, some of the messages I heard there and by you and uh, you guys are just the real deal. Um, mm-hmm. I I, I want to go back to the book because you know you're, you're we're we're talking about these three you know, kind of movements in the book. And, you know, it's funny is that you talk about, I most resonate with Andy. When I read your subtitle, I was like, you know, I was like, that is, that is like quintessential. That is just so to the point, so sticky, so memorable. It, it, you can relate to it. You can find yourself into it and like rehashing the past, rehearsing the future. And then the hardest one of all for me personally receiving mm-hmm. the presence. Same. <laughs> um, Same. It just, it's, it's, I want that. I want to be mm-hmm. someone who's fully present. I want to be able to like live in my body. I want to be able to yeah. kind of experience all that God has in here and now. Um, like you so beautifully write, what prevents us? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you could say because we are rehashing the past mm-hmm. or because we're living in the yeah. future. Da, da. But like yeah. when, when you start getting down to it, what's, what is it that blocks us from being here now? Yeah. I love that question, Steve. And I, you know, I think about there's a moment in Exodus. I think it's Exodus 33 where Moses is just, he's done with the Israelites. He's like, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. They are, they are so difficult to lead. Uh, they're constantly complaining. And, and he goes and talks with God. And um, it's like, Lord, I, I can't do this anymore. And it, it says in Exodus 33, 
um, that God says to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses literally says back to him, well, if your, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't even send us. Like, I think Moses got to a point in his life where he was no longer consumed with the plans of God, even the power of God or the promises of God. Um, he was like, it's nothing without the presence of God. And what I began to realize is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the only place to actually experience and encounter God is in this now moment. If it's not happening now, it's not happening. And yet so many of us, so many of us, we're not living in the now. We're living in other happenings that are occurring. And I love that moment between God and Moses because I think he got to a point in his life where he was like, all I want is the now. All I want is the presence of God. And I think what inhibits us is obviously we are in, in human frail bodies, right? That are, are not, um, fully, fully, fully alive as they will be one day, uh, when we are face to face with Jesus. But in, in this human body, I think what, what we struggle with is, I think first it's the, the body space, right? So many of us have not learned how to actually pay attention to what's going on in our body. These physical containers that house our heart, our mind, and our soul and our organs. And I I think, especially in, um, in Christian circles, body intelligence has been very, very low. And yet, it's powerful because the body doesn't lie. This body is incapable of lying to me. It is, it is faithful. It has been consistent. It, it houses my mind and my heart. And yet so often I don't even pay attention to it. Right. And so our body intelligence is low. Our emotional intelligence is low. Uh, we, we have so many emotions that are bubbling up and we're so afraid of what are these emotions telling me? Um, and emotions are literally just energy in motion mm-hmm. and, and they're not looking for an answer. All they're looking for is healthy space to be named and to be felt. And yet so many of us, we've learned to deny our emotions, to push them down, to ignore them. And yet practicing presence requires us to pay attention to our emotions and then our thoughts too, right? I, I mean, there's a hundred billion nerve cells that transmit these impulses that, you know, create this electrical physical reaction that happens. That is what creates a thought. And there's 60 to 80,000 of them in a day. And so many of us, we allow every single thought to land on the runway of our mind, mm-hmm. every single one. And it is utterly destructive to our practicing of presence. And one of the best things that we can do is people go, that, that thought is not true. Th- that thought is not helpful. That thought is not from God. I am not going to allow that thought to land here on the runway of my mind, right? I- I'm going to clear that thought for takeoff. It's not going to land here in my mind. I, I-, I love um, th- this idea that a thought is harmless until we believe it. And so many of us are believing things that are untrue. And so that question, what's here now, really is paying attention to what am I sensing in my body? What am I feeling in my heart? What am I thinking in my mind? And that's what pulls us back into the present moment. And it can happen at any second. I mean, you can do it in the car. You can do it while, you know, talking to somebody. If you're distracted, if you realize you're on your phone and you're like, I've just been numbing and scrolling through, you can pause, you can breathe and ask that question and come back into the present moment. And I, I think that experience with God on the mountain, it, it, it got so deep in my own soul that I was like, that's what I want to be true of me. Mm. I, I want people to say she was all the way here. Like when I was with her, she was all the way with me. She, she wasn't somewhere else. She wasn't rehashing something that already happened. She wasn't rehearsing a meeting that she needs to get to in two minutes or two hours. She is here. And like, even in this conversation, right, there's nowhere else to be. Can I just 
be here with my friend Steve having a conversation. And there is something so powerful when we offer the gift of presence to ourselves, to one another, and, and to being in presence with God. I mean, I feel like it is the the fullness of belonging, yeah. of what it feels like to belong. Um, it's so yeah. it's so beautiful. And, you know, it was the, those five chapters just were so rich for me and helpful for me. I, 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 I rehearsed the past a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say that I don't. I, I, or rehash the past. I, I rehearse the future a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think about like tomorrow. I think it's part of the mm-hmm. three, you know, mm-hmm. achiever in me and just like futurist strategist kind of piece. Yeah. The receiving the present um, is, is hard. It's even hard in these mm-hmm. interviews for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not where like my mind is jumping to um, the past or the future, but like you'll say things. And my mind, like I go from yeah. not listening well to, well, that's a question that, and I'm like mm-hmm. out of my body. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like those, yeah, totally. And, and it's, 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 but it was, what was so helpful is in, in the book was there just these moments for me. And, and you kind of like just talked about one, you were talking about the Moses and you know, it's God's in no other happening, but right here mm-hmm. and now, mm-hmm. like but I keep looking for him in other happenings, the past, yes. the future, yes. but he's, he's yes. here and learning that, yes. that, that resting in the presence, that that yes. presence is going to bring like that, that, that it's exhale. Peace. Exactly. It's exactly. Peace. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? So I'm curious because, you know, this whole podcast, Crafting Character, I care about us getting better as preachers. I want every preacher to be better at mm-hmm. communicating good news and communicating grace and truth and the life and way of Jesus, of course. But again, our character. And and I, I really positioned this third movement of the book because for me, it's what I need. It's what mm-hmm. I need to, you know, when Jesus talks a little bit about like, my peace, I leave with you, my peace, mm-hmm. I give to you. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, I've heard someone say like, I got peace in my pocket. You know, it's like yep. wherever mm-hmm. I go. It's like, but it's, how, can, is there a practice yeah. that you do um, when all of a sudden you find yourself starting to rehash the past or rehearse the future that just is like, no, let's bring it back. Let's just, let's just receive the present. Let's see what God has for us in the here and now. Talk, talk to us. Cause you know, so many pastors listen to this and they are, mm-hmm. <laughs> many of them are threes and eights like you and I, <laughs> many of them are chargers and builders mm-hmm. like you and I, many of them have like too many things on their calendar. And, and yet I think one of the most sacred, helpful, most important um, experiences that we can have in our day is to be in the presence of God. Like you so beautifully just unpacked and mm-hmm. just a moment ago, but talk to us about how you do that in the, in the daily. Yeah. I mean, presence is the gateway to peace. I believe. Wow. wow. I believe we will not experience peace outside of the present moment because you can't go out into your future and experience peace. You don't know what's going to happen in two minutes or two years. You can't go back to your past. You can do good work and good understanding. And I'm an advocate for digging in the dirt of our stories and and sitting on counselors' couches and being in circles of of people and in community to really understand our patterns. But the only place that we can encounter peace is in this now moment, like literally this inhale and this exhale. It's the only place where we can experience it. And and, and the pneuma of that, right? The, the, the movement of the inhale and the exhale, the, the, the welcoming of Holy Spirit and the exhaling of what is no longer of service to me. And so many of us, we don't even pause to pay attention to our inhale and our exhale. I mean, th- that is me. I'm raising my hand. Like, I have to practice this. I, I think when I first set out to write this book, I was like, okay, presence. 
I'm going to, I'm going to nail it. I'm going to nail it. I'm going to become, I'm going to be present. I'm going to check that box and then it's going to be done. Right. And it's like, no, 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 no. Presence is a practice that occurs and and it's going to be occurring until I take that last inhale and exhale. And so for me, you asked the question, what is my practice? It is this question. What's here now? I, I did it the other night. My daughter uh, was just graduating from eighth grade and we, you know, were in the auditorium and, you know, the, the orchestra is playing pomp and circumstance and, and everyone is in there. It's the first time that I've like been in a school function where like you can see people's faces again. And, um, and I was feeling like so, so happy for her and excited for her. She's going on to high school next year. And, and I'm holding, you know, this joy and this um, hopefulness. And I look over to my son and I, I saw on his face just a, a tenderness. Mm. And I just felt this prompt to ask him what, what was going on. And I said, hey, what's here now? And he said, I'm so happy for Gigi. And I'm so sad that I didn't get this. Because he was, you know, the class of uh, his eighth grade was 2020. And so we watched his eighth grade graduation in our basement on our television, right? And I, I just so appreciated him naming both of those things. You know, he named, I'm excited and I'm sad. I'm hopeful and I'm tender. And Steve, it came from just asking the question, what's here now? And holding enough space in a old auditorium with pomp and circumstance playing behind us and two people just choosing to be present with one another in that moment and not fixing what was, not rehearsing the what ifs, but just being with what is. And I think that is, for me, that's the key. Will I accept and receive what is, even if what is, it's really hard. Yeah. Even if what is, is not what I would want it to be. Even if what is in this relationship requires a whole lot of work that I need to dig into and do, but leaving the present moment is me leaving peace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that so often this has been true in my life. You know, I think that for many years, I used to think that the passage that says, you know, and I give my peace, a peace that passes understanding. I think I used to think that once I get understanding, I'll get peace. But what I've come to realize and recognize is that peace comes from me just accepting what is. Yeah, that's right. You know, gratitude and and peaceful presence does not come from um, perfect circumstances. It comes from being peaceful in the midst of whatever our circumstances are. And so I'm sitting there in the, you know, auditorium with my son and, and, and he's experiencing some tenderness and my, my daughter's over here experiencing some joy. I don't necessarily need to find a way to make understanding all of that, what I need to do is just be with all of that and be with my people in that moment, right? And I feel like as as a person, that is my work. And as a pastor, that is my work, is to invite people to be with what is because God is always with us in what is. God is never trying to escape the present moment. God is willing to be in all of it with us. And so am I willing to be in all of it with God? And so as a communicator, as somebody that opens God's word and tries my very best um, to, to create a experience where people can be uh, ministered to by the power of God and the movement of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's quite a unbelievable feat to think about what we try to do to, to, to put words to the movement of God, right? Because the movement of God doesn't really need my words, but 
to be faithful enough to put something in front of people that hopefully allows them to, to touch the presence and the peace of God, there's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it when we taste it. I think it's so beautiful. I think the question, what's here now, is it's just so practical. It's something, you know, that for me reading the book, it's just a, it's just an easy thing to put into practice, which I just so yeah. appreciate. But, you know, we, we started the conversation talking about unearthing tension mm-hmm. and just, just reflecting back for you. Uh, thanks for being the kind of mom that could mm. be aware and present to then help, help your son unearth mm-hmm. that tension by just a simple mm-hmm. question. And the work that you all have done as a family unit for him, you know, in mm-hmm. high school to be able to speak to, I feel this mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. also feel this too. And it's just like, yeah. and, but what that does though, and this is why it's so important for us as pastors and teachers and communicators to be doing this work ourselves before we give that away is because if, like you said, the ener- like emotions are just energy moving, you know, mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. capacity. But if, yep. it's, if it's unearthed, if it's, if it's tension or experiences that we haven't dealt with, well, that's yeah. going to, that's going to, that energy is going to move in a more distracting, unhealthy, yes. unhealthy place. Yes. But being able to be aware of it, being able yeah. to see it, um, it just, what that does for our kids, what that does for our congregation, what yeah. that does for our staff teams, what that does for our own selves and our own souls yeah. to receive the peace uh, and the grace yeah. and the truth yeah. and the presence. Um, yes. Jeannie, you, you're mm. a force for good. I'm so grateful mm. for you. Friends, uh, you have to pick up this book. I promise you, you're going to read it and you're going you're gonna to hand it to someone on your groups teams or small groups teams. And you're going to be like, all right, we're going to do a sermon series this fall. And we have to actually get this for our people because um, it is practical, it is helpful, it is challenging, it is inspiring, it is profoundly biblical. It is a book that must be consumed, but more than consumed, it has to be talked about and mm-hmm. unearthed in living rooms in your community. So mm-hmm. Jeannie Stevens, thank you for who you are. Thanks thank for joining you. us on the Crafting Thank Gender you podcast. so much, Steve. So grateful for you and for your friendship and just thankful. You know, you, you told me that I needed to rework the very last chapter of this book. You reached out to me and you said, Jeannie, you need to write this in the form of a benediction. And, um, and I did that. And so truly you are a person that lives out the character of this, but you care so much about the craft for people to get better and better and better. So you helped me get better. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. So thank you so much. You, you, you're, you're, I, I just have to say this. You're such a leader and such a pastor. I don't know if I know very many people who are just mm-hmm. as strong at both. And I had just felt so pastored by you. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I hope it's okay if I can say this. And <laughs> when, so I, when, I saw the, when I saw the book, I was like, oh my goodness, it's awesome. So yeah, but it was just, it's such a, uh, you inspired me, compelled me, but just that receiving the present was such a gift for me personally. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, friend. So grateful for you. Definitely. Well, thanks so much for tuning into the Crafting Character Podcast. I hope that you were blessed by my conversation with Jeannie. And I just want to let you know, if you are looking to engage with the world, with the needs of the world, I'd love to tell you more about Food for the Hungry. They're doing incredible work. Some of the best ministry on the ground, raising up leaders, engaging holistically with a village or a city tied to a local church. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, it's incredible. I'm excited because next month I'm going to the Dominican Republic with Food for the Hungry, get to see all of the work that they're doing um, just up close and personal. And I cannot wait. Also with the Ascent Leader, you got to go to the ascentleader.org because we just launched uh, and announced that Nancy Beach, uh, the legend, you, you remember her from a couple episodes ago, she's going to be leading a cohort on communication. 
And I'll just tell you, um, I'm so privileged and blessed because I've got people like Mark Moore, Dave Stone, um, Dick Alexander, Nancy Beach, uh, who are coaches who walk with you for a year to help you get better at the craft and character of communication. So if you're a senior pastor, if you're a teaching pastor, if you're a lead pastor, if you're an emerging voice and want to get better, I'm telling you, get in a living room with Nancy Beach and she will make you a better communicator. She's fantastic. Um, this is open to women and men. We love and believe wholeheartedly that we're better together. So please dive in, go to the Ascent Leaner, sign up, apply. We'd love to have a conversation with you about that. And then lastly, Preaching Today, we're here to help. We're here to serve. Go to preachingtoday.com. I'm telling you, every week there's new articles, there's sermon illustrations. I actually just used one recently, took my teach to an entirely new level. Sometimes you just need that spark. And that's what this website is all about, to help you care for your soul, again, similar to the character, help you with exegesis, help you with articles, help you with sermon illustrations to get better at the craft. And there's a beautiful part and you can actually uh, sign up to get a discount. You can go to orderptnow.com slash CC30, Crafting Character 30, and you will get 30% off. And they're just an absolute joy to partner with. So my friends, may you, may you help your people this week stop rehearsing the past. I love, love, love how Jeannie said that. May we stop rehashing the past and rehearsing the future, but may we actually receive the present, all that God has for us. And may you go this week and preach your heart out. You have a word inside you. It's a fire in your bones, as Jeremiah said, and may it come out in a beautiful and a profound way that leads people into the next step of formation. Much love, everyone. See you in a couple of weeks. Grace and peace. Peace.